Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love, and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. Zozo, how are you? Um, well, I'm good. I'm good. I've recovered from my uh, Friday night out. I went out Friday night, me and Dozza, no kids, lovely dinner. We went out with oh, some nice. of our best mates. We just really enjoyed ourselves. That was the day that it was like hotter than Barbados in London. Oh my God, it was so nice. Although I was thinking about you as I was sat child-free <laughs> in my garden, drinking rosé by myself, not even Judgy James to look up, look at me. No, to judge. It was Can't lovely. And you were in London recording yeah it wasn't the best place to be and plus I just come to the end of obviously like 14 days straight so basically I stepped out of work at, four, at work at 4 p.m and I was like give me all the drinks <laughs> you know you just need you need to let your hair down and we really really did we really enjoyed ourselves it was great oh, what, how was your weekend because it was child free it was child free it was lovely um because normally when we don't have the kids it's for a reason you know like I'm I've got work to do or James is away or you know there's usually a reason but this time um it there wasn't really a reason we'd planned to be going away but James actually had to train and had like a little pre-season game so I was actually just at home like by myself during the day and it was do you know what I would never have planned to do that but it was so nice that's what that's what people without children experience all the time being at home on their own in their beautiful homes that is what I was thinking I was thinking I read I read magazines I had like a glass of fizz at like three o'clock in the afternoon by myself it was literally a dream lovely can you still read (laughs) just about Um, and on Sunday I woke up and I went for a run and I was in the newspaper shop and obviously I picked up a copy of Fabulous can we just talk about firstly how fabulous you looked because you really really did look amazing but also just you know how incredible you are for sharing your story and how brave that was to do Oh, thank you, mate. Yeah, thank you. I don't know. It was a big one for me. I felt a bit exposed on Friday because I was told that I needed to put the post up on Friday night. And I I thought in my head I had that it was out the following weekend. So suddenly I got a call and it was like, it's coming out on Sunday and you've got to write the post. You've got to get it up. And I was just like, 
oh, oh my god this is happening um you suddenly feel quite vulnerable actually and you suddenly feel like you've shared and bared your soul so I had yeah. a bit of a funny night actually actually it was Thursday not Friday a bit of a weird night on Thursday night I was just didn't really sleep that well and just kind of thinking have I done the right thing and you know what are people gonna say and all that kind of stuff but then when it came out I had I've had so many messages of support yeah. from you know women men you know kind of like even like my little cousin who's kind of late teens she messaged me being like thank you so much for raising awareness around this I'm definitely going to have some tests done in my 20s and did all this kind of stuff and that's what I wanted to talk about you know there's like no yeah. shame around the menopause and I think it's one of those things isn't it it's like you think it's going to happen at 50 or 55 yeah. um and then it's like oh she's going through the change and oh a bit hot flush oh you're a bit hot it's like well it's not just a bit hot I mean this is a pretty horrendous thing that happens to you and it can be a bit overwhelming and a bit scary and if it happens to you at a much younger age which it did for me even though I knew it was coming it was still awful for me like yeah awful absolutely and I think there's so much I mean I I said before I've you know I've never had a conversation about the menopause with anybody in my family or even my mates at all and it was only you um you know when we met all those years ago and you sort of told me about what your sister had been through that I even really knew that it could happen early and also mm -hmm. just how much it affects you it isn't just you know hot flushes it's you know it's the moods it's the hormones it's mm -hmm. everything that comes with it and also I guess is it a morning you know like of you know that's you know that there's no more you can't have children like anymore even though I know you, you've got your children and you wasn't planning it mm -hmm. it's just that sort of definite isn't it it's that right that is that's the end of that chapter now yeah exactly and I think we we're so desperate to get our periods you know when we're like you know 13 14 15 16 whenever it happens and then you like hate your periods don't you because they're yeah. heavy and they make you feel uncomfortable and they you know you get stomach ache and backache and everything else and then when they've gone even though I'm having like a fake bleed now because of the HRT but you know when they're not there you're kind of like but that's what was making me feel like a woman actually, yeah. and now that that's not there I'm actually you know my doctor said to me do you want to still have a bleed and I was like absolutely I do because even though even though it might not be a real one like for my head it yeah. sort of makes me still feel normal does that make sense yeah um, absolutely. yeah and I think I just I just really wanted to kind of start that conversation up again and I and actually in my heart what I really want to happen is more education for yeah. girls at school that's what I really want to see changing because I do think it's super important to be given all the facts I mean some people don't even know about the amount of eggs that you're born with is the amount of eggs that you have for the rest of your life you know there's so many things that we could be doing and there's so many things that the NHS is even though they are amazing and I know that they're so tight for money, but this this is actually stopping women or taking away women's choice to have children because we're having children later. That is just yeah. our society. Um, yeah. But, you know, when that happens, it comes with, with some really bad upset and this is one of the reasons. So, yeah, I, I just hope we can talk about it more and we can we can it can be less of a taboo. Absolutely. So no, definitely. And it's so you. nice to get dressed up for the day and get my hair <laughs> and have my hair no cap done. It was lovely. <laughs> you did look incredible. Oh, so incredible. No, you oh, really did. All had a fake hair. So that was <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You had Lauren, extensions in. Lauren Pope, yeah, because another brilliant um 
sort of thing that happens when you go through early menopause is that your hair starts thinning and obviously I had all that luscious locks from the pregnancies and yeah uh, this was breaking off and dropping out so Lauren Pope have got this she's got this really amazing um hair extension brand called Re- um, Hair Rehab yeah Hair Rehab London yeah, yeah I know it the colour yeah. match was incredible so yeah I um I plan on wearing them a lot more <laughs> definitely yeah. so um so we we're gonna, we need to get into this chat, otherwise you and I are just going to be gibbering on. It's going to turn. I know. <laughs> who are we chatting to today? So today we are chatting to Susie Amy, who is an actress and a presenter, and she is currently thirty weeks pregnant with her yeah. second baby. So. She was actually in Footballers' Wives with Gary Lucy. I loved that program. <laughs> I'm really annoyed that we didn't get her to talk about that period in her life because she actually filmed a scene with Gary Luther where they had a baby. So I really wanted to ask her what that was all about. But we'll have to get her back on when she's had a second. Oh my God. Gigi's like trying to get down. Oh my God, Gigi's climbing up the stairs. Hang on. Okay. Should we leave this bit in? <laughs> yeah. Gigi, come back to us. Who didn't shut the stair gate? Uh oh. Uh oh. And for those new listeners to the podcast, this is what parenting at home is like while also recording a podcast. Not funny, was it? Not funny. Is she all right? George's back. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Sorry. Somebody somebody did not close the stair gate. Mm, I wonder who that could be. Hello, James's dad. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. They were chatting to Susie Amy. Right. Well, here we are again, another day, another podcast. And um, this one is a really, really special one because she's such a good mate of mine and we've been dying to get her on the podcast. She has just announced um, secretively that she's pregnant (laughs) with baby number two, actually not just a little bit pregnant, 32 32 weeks or 30 weeks. Um, She is an actress. She is a presenter. She is a spokesperson. She is a wonderful human being and she's mummy to her 18 month old little girl. Today we're chatting to Susie Amy. Thank you so much for having me. How exciting. You're pregnant. You're up the duff. You kept it so quiet. I'm 30 weeks. So yeah, so uh, beginning of October, I'm due. Um, And it's just been such a weird time. It wasn't that I was trying to be secretive. I just, you know, I've just been aware that everybody's dealing with a lot at the moment with the pandemic and everybody's got a lot of their minds and it, it just felt a little bit weird kind of putting up on Instagram oh, I'm pregnant I just I just kind of was aware that it's a difficult time for people at the moment uh, for lots of different reasons um so yeah I wasn't I wasn't trying to like keep it keep it a super secret for any reason uh, yeah. we're really excited um yeah, I've got an 18-month-old little girl at the moment. So she'll be just over 20 months when this one arrives, which is which is an interesting <laughs> age gap. Hopefully yeah. we'll be okay. Um, I'm already exhausted, so I don't know how I'm going to cope with two. I don't know how people ha- go on and on and on with, know, with children. No, I, really, I yeah. really don't. Full of admiration. How has this pregnancy been so far, Susie? Because um, obviously you have got an 18-month-old to run around after. So how are you feeling in yourself? And just talk us through, you know, uh, the sort of pregnancy journey for number two. I'm really lucky, I think, with pregnancy, as in beyond 12 weeks, I don't feel unwell. In fact, in the second trimester, I always feel really good. 
well, both times I have. This pregnancy has been really similar to the last one. I don't know. Um, we decided not to find out what we're having this time. We did last time, which was amazing because I felt like I could really get prepared. Mm. And I, I'm somebody who really loves a surprise. So even last time, I was hesitant to open the envelope and see what we were having. But yeah. I, I, I just wanted to get a little bit organised. Um, but this time we've decided not to. So we don't know what we're having. Um, and the pregnancy has been incredibly similar to last time. So I don't know if that means it's another girl or whether that's just how pregnancy is for me. Um, obviously, so you, in fact, you've both got one of each. Yeah, yeah. we have. Yeah. yeah. Were they different for you? Oh, I just think I felt worse the second time around. <laughs> but I you had a girl I, the second time. Yeah, I had a girl the they second time. They do say time. girls are worse. Yes. And I don't know if that's just because I was more tired already. I don't know True. if there's, I don't know. I'm not sure if there's anything in it. We always, we always say the Chinese birth chart, don't we, Zoe? But, <laughs> you know, some people believe in it and some people don't. And really it's 50-50, isn't it? So. I think we both felt worse. I think we both felt sicker or more tired with the girls. But we've both yes. said that before. Yeah. This is what people sort of sort of say that girls, um, you have a little bit of an easier time in a boy pregnancy. And listen, I say that, and some people will be listening to this, you know, wanting to punch me because I know <laughs> lots of people with boys also have an awful time. So I'm not, I'm yeah. not, yeah. I don't know what this one is, but I've been, uh, both times have been first trimester, not very nice and then absolutely fine. But I do, I do get quite big in pregnancy. Uh, I am quite big again. Uh, yeah. I was big the first time. They had wanted to induce me at 38 weeks, which I didn't go along with. Luckily, she came just before my due date when I was about due to be date. induced. But yeah. slightly bigger babies, I think, both times. This one feels quite big too, so we'll see. Yeah. But and apart how from was that, your, I feel fine. And how was your birth the first time? Well, I prepared, you know, the hypnobirthing, and I was, I'd was i listened to all the books, you know, all the audio books, and uh, Raf had with me as well, my partner, and... Um, I was really, you know, up for the water birth and I, I didn't want to be induced at 38 weeks because it would have meant I couldn't have a water birth. Yeah. Um, at the hospital I'm at, the birth centre is reserved for people who just go into natural labour, fine. So I'd really, but I had not anticipated the pain for me. And I don't, I, I don't want to put other people off who might be pregnant because everybody feels it differently. I truly believe that now. Um, and I've heard you girls talking about that before. Yeah. Um, I ended up, screaming for an epidural um i hope i i know it's not very nice to talk about that because like i no, said no, I talk about it, talk about absolutely no um, but no it. your experience Susie, it was but you know, it took is... me by surprise the pain my waters yeah. broke like straight in the middle of the night just straight off the bat my waters broke and they do say that can make it more intense but yeah. I, I couldn't have gone through the whole labor without some pain relief personally yeah um, so the water birth didn't happen but i had the loveliest birth because um, after the epidural, I had a fantastic time. So, yeah. so it, it is amazing. Incredible. I mean, yeah. I have never gone from being so miserable to so happy, you know, within that half hour. I completely agree with you. Georgia and I both say the same thing. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. Do you know what? I've all, I really wanted the second time around to have one of those births where I, like a Nadia Zawala birth, where I was like, my vagina is butter. And like the baby just, I had a home birth and the baby just, just came out and I was holding him in my arms, like, you know, 
something out the Lion King. But it just didn't happen for me like that. I just can't, no. I can't labour like that. But I, I was like, just give me the injection in my back and get it done. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. I mean, friends of mine, um, Laura, Laura Gallagher, well, Laura Brand now, Kirsty Gallagher's little sister, and um, she's yeah. a very close friend of mine too. And she'd really inspired me with the hypnobirthing, and she's an incredible hypnobirther, and she really like gets such a high from it. So yeah. I don't want to put people off in terms of um, in terms of making out that that isn't a good route for people because the breathing still really helped me, and I'm really glad that I did all, all the courses that I did and listened to all the books. And but when it came down to it, I was in agony. And yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> like the woman couldn't have got into the she she was delayed in that. You know when you just think. I cannot go on another minute personally. Just hurry up. Just <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was at, I think I was seven centimetres by the time I had one. Uh, and then it really slowed everything down, um, like a lot. So that was my only complication with an epidural. It was progressing really quickly. And that then, I mean, how I didn't have her the day before, as in it was going so quickly. That was about midday on the 16th of January. I had the epidural and she didn't come until the 17th. So three centimetres to go took forever. So listen, everybody's different, but I'm just grateful that she arrived safely and that I tried an epidural because it was the best thing ever. (laughs) And have you got plans to have another one this time round? My fear is that it'll progress too quickly for me to get one. I mean, literally this time, and it's sad in a way because... I know second births can be a lot quicker um, and potentially I'll have had some sleep because I'd only been asleep an hour when that happened last time. I think maybe mm. on a full night's sleep, maybe if the waters didn't break initially, um, it would be totally different. But yeah. in my head, I'm now like, I can't do it without an epidural. So that's a little bit of a shame that I've got that attitude now because you never know. No, do you, you know, know what? I'll let you know what happens after after the baby comes. I'll let you know if I ended up with an epidural or not. Do you know what? I was exactly the same as you. I progressed really quickly and then I had an epidural and it slowed it down the first time round. And I just assumed the second time round I would have an epidural. Like I, it was a given. Like I didn't yeah. think I, I didn't think it could be any other way. And actually I didn't because like you said, there wasn't time and it was fine. But I don't think it was as painful. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I really don't think I felt the same amount of pain the second time round as I did the first. Also, it, Georgia has got a different. I actually have heard you say that before and I really like that you said as well that everybody I think experiences pain differently because my friend yeah. India kept saying yeah. to me before, before I had Noah she kept saying to me oh god you do Barry's boot camp all the time it's just endurance it's just like doing a Barry's boot camp uh, no it isn't <laughs> no it isn't <laughs> no I've heard someone say that as well she felt who said that to you? Well, someone else has said that to me as well. Like, oh, it's just, it's literally like, if you've got the stamina to get through a barriers, you've got the stamina to get through labour. And I was like, you clearly don't have children. It is not the same. You haven't no. been through labour. It is completely different because, like you said, you've got to be able to be physically strong, but also um, the pain. Yeah. And and I do, I really do believe that it, every single birth is different yeah. and every, every level of pain. It must be, it can't be one, it, it can't be one size fits all. It, it can't be because nothing else in labour and birth is. So how can the pain be the same? It can't, it definitely I just can't. don't think people experience pain in the same way. You no. know, I, I just think something that, that 
that one of you girls might find really painful might be okay for me and vice versa. Exactly. I just think, I just think everyone. So I think I think when people sort of give you their words of wisdom about how oh God it's fine, you know, people were like telling me in restaurants, oh, all you need to do is this, and everyone's different. <laughs> So the same as I hope I'm not putting people off by saying how excruciating I found it, they might be they might be that person who finds it like a Barry's boot camp class. Yeah. Now, listen, we think it's really important to talk about all of the different stories. You know, there's gonna be some people that yeah. will, will walk through it and absolutely love it. And then there's gonna be some people that, you know, have a, a very different birthing experience. And it's really interesting to hear or I think to hear all of the stories. So don't worry, you're not gonna be putting people off. People love it. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> good yeah. What were those early days for you like, Susie? And were you one for a strict routine or were you kind of fly by the seat of your pants? Um, I I was very much I listened to all these parenting books that talked about not leaving your baby crying and um, you know responding to every single little noise and and do you know what for months and I mean months um, if she even made like the remotest like cry out I would run up the stairs I was round the door she never cried you know without me going in picking her up feeding her back to sleep yeah. I didn't realize firstly that it probably wasn't a good idea to constantly be feeding her to sleep because I never put her down awake. I didn't know anything yeah. about that. And, it, yeah. and do, do you know, I, it, we made, we, I made, because Raph was quite insistent on other things that I didn't go along with. I think I made some errors for us early on um, by not respecting that she probably needed to do a little bit of self self soothing. Yeah. Um, these books can scare you so much about the emotional trauma you can do to your children by not rushing around the door the second they start crying. And actually, um, things got so bad for us. Um, in the summer after she was born, she was about six months old. We were in Ibiza with friends. And um, our house flooded back home and we were moved into the Premier Inn on the high street we live on for a month. So Raph, me and Noah were sleeping in the Premier Inn. So she was seven months at this stage. And when I say she was awake all night, 13 times a night she was awake. And and, I mean, it it became so... um, it became so difficult. We had no proper routine in the day. She'd nap when she'd nap. I'd take her everywhere with me. I'd take her out to dinners if I was on holiday. I, di- I didn't realise the benefit of a routine. Yeah. And um, my really good friend, Ida Field, had bought for us as a baby present when Noah was You mean born. Robbie Williams' wife? I do. <laughs> I do. She, she's, a, she's a mum of four. She is. She, she introduced me to this amazing lady um, a bespoke family called Claire who came to us and watched us for a day and I'd say Noah was nine months old at this time yeah. and um, she just watched us like with no judgment we just we just had her there and we'd put her down when we thought she needed to nap and she watched how we do it through the monitor and and do you know what she totally changed our lives she got us into a really good routine but without being kind of judgy about how we've been doing things that's yeah. why I really liked her um, so yeah, it's a company called Bespoke Family and she and, and, and another lady who I don't know as well set this company up. And basically it's just for family and parenting advice. They do lots of webinars about, um, things like toilet training or behavior or sleep. Um, yeah. but you can also get them to come and watch you for a day or, or help you overnight or whatever you need. And for me, having not really realized that I needed that, and when Claire came, even though I really respected her, she was a Northern Nanny trainer like by trade back in the day. And 
even though I really respected her, when she was like, okay, she needs to go down at this time, do this routine, stick to this. In my head, I thought this isn't going to work. I always just thought she's different. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And she has now become the best sleeper. Um, We're in such a good routine with her. I feel so much more confident. I feel like everything's more in control again. And I'm just so grateful that I wished I'd kind of listened earlier um, to people because sometimes I think you get bombarded with advice and, you know, everyone's different and you think, oh, that's not my situation or, you know, I can't afford that sort of childcare or or whatever it is that somebody's advising you they've done that you feel is different for you. What I did need was somebody to come and help me at that stage because it had got so bad. And I think Raph was getting really frustrated with me. Um, I didn't know to put her down the weight. I never let Raph do the putting her down. It was always me. Um, And Claire just changed so much for us. And I'm just so grateful for it. And I feel like even if the second baby is very different, um, I feel that I've got a better idea. I absolutely would do the same again and just have that day if we're struggling where somebody like, like Claire can come and just help us and just watch us and just... It's really important to be able to ask for help, I think, because we were at a point that really wasn't very pleasant. Yeah, we, 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 we believe that as well, actually. There's only so long that you can muddle on for before you need to put your hands up and go, actually, I'm, just, I'm sort of drowning here. I don't really know how to move forward. Yeah. Um, and that's absolutely fine. Like, no one's got the parenting handbook. You know, you, like you said, you read all of these different books that people recommend and people giving you tips left, right and centre. But actually, when it comes to it, it's a funny one. You, you, you just do what you think is right. And then nine months down the line, you might look at it and go, I'm not sure if this actually is right. I'm constantly yeah. doing that. <laughs> Even yeah. now. <laughs> that's really interesting I'm definitely not a natural I mean I love her more more than life but I'm definitely not a natural parent Mm. I was never that sort of friend that people would be like oh do you mind grabbing the kids for a few hours for me I was never that friend yeah (laughs) you know person with children so yeah her arriving I wanted to do a really good job which is why I kind of was a proper geek with my studying on everything and being prepared and actually yeah, I, I I just every now and then just need to sort of say to somebody, can you give me some advice or some help? Because I'm just hoping with the second baby, I can somehow, I know everybody says they just kind of slot in. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope so. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Hi, I'm Laura Wright, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, Music in My Life. In this series, I'm talking to some amazing guests about their favorite pieces of music. We'll be delving into the music they listen to and why it shaped them throughout the years. It's like intense. It made me feel cooler and stronger and harder than I was. But the man on board had had cancer. And that's obviously become a big part of my life. I can listen to it now, reminding myself where I've come from. He just completely lost it as we pulled up to the, to the hospital. You can find it wherever you found this podcast. Just search Music In My Life. What do you think was sort of going on um, in those, I mean, obviously there was loads going on in the first sort of six, seven months, but in terms of you not wanting to let her self-soothe or kind of settle herself or stuff, was it more about her or was it more about you? Um, I think it was a lot of pressure that I was feeling from people who, not even necessarily parents, but people who'd also heard that leaving your child crying could be very damaging. And, and I think once that got in my head and... I I kind of I I kind of began to think that I was going to be letting her down. It wasn't yeah. for her because she's absolutely fine. She's the most resilient little girl as well. Really resilient. Also, she was big. She was strong. There was yeah. you know feeding issues. Um, apart from the fact she never took a bottle, but that aside, um, you know she was she was super healthy. There, there was there was no reason for me to be ultra paranoid about her. Yeah. Um, and I'm so much more relaxed now, like with everything. You mentioned that um, your partner had other ideas in the beginning of what you should be doing. Did did that sort of cause any tension between the two of you that you really wanted to be doing one thing and he maybe thought you should be doing something else? Well, if I'm totally honest, what I can't stand is being sort of told, oh, my sister did this with, with her, you know, with her, my nephews. Because I, you, you know, that sort of thing of, oh, great, everybody else is that expert parent apart, apart from me. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of feeling of, great, your, my sister did this, your sister did this, yeah. we're doing it like this. And maybe, maybe just a bit of me being a bit hormonal or strong-minded. You know, I didn't want to leave her crying for five minutes. It didn't feel yeah. good for me. Um, and and the fact that I was being told other people have done this. And, you know, when other pe- it feels that other people are doing it so well and you're not, and then you resolutely stick to how you're doing it. Yeah. And before you know it, it's just not the way. Um, so, yeah, it did cause a bit of tension because he really needs his sleep. I'm quite good with not a lot of sleep, um, but he really needs his sleep. And, yeah, I think... I think me being so strict on it, it doesn't help. I mean, it's not easy in any relationship. I don't think no. you have your children, if I'm totally honest. There's so much going on. Your priorities totally change. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I, th- I think it can be a really difficult time for people. No, I agree. It's really interesting, isn't it, that um, what happens to a relationship during those first six months? Because as mothers, like biologically, we're the ones that have the ovaries, the womb, we're the ones that house the baby. But obviously, we're yeah. 50-50 split in terms of who makes the baby and that kind of, um, you know, shared responsibility at the beginning. It kind of should be, well, okay, I've labored the, labored the child, but actually we need to figure this out together. But I think sometimes as mothers, we get quite... Um, I don't know whether it's like dogmatic or kind of a bit like programmed to be like, no, this is the way we're doing it. And it, it's not like we're trying to isolate or ostracize our partners, but for some reason it happens. Yeah. And I actually thought second time round, I let Dozza take so much more responsibility when it came to Kit, almost to the point where I was like, I actually feel like I need to be with my baby a bit more because I was just like, 
wanting him to be more involved like he always wants to be but also having to share my time with Luna at the same time actually now it's worked out a lot better because Kit is far more independent than Luna is far yeah, more so and he's 18 months younger yeah that's so interesting and I think you're absolutely right I think I think once you've once that child's come out you're so protective and anyone who's maybe suggesting chill out about this chill out you, you you're thinking hang on I've just, yeah. you know, you feel so attached, don't you? I think especially, yeah. I don't have a second yet, but especially with your first. Yeah. I think, I think there's that just protective thing where you feel that you know best or need to be assertive about what you think is best. Um, and Raph's really natural with children, unlike me, by the way. He's so much more natural than <laughs> I am. You know, like really good with children. So, yeah, it's interesting that even I with him was very, you know, this is how we're doing it. Well, I think, you know, as, as mothers, we've carried them around for nine months. And almost the second you give birth, it's almost like you're parting from them a little bit because they're no, you're no longer carrying them around. And a little bit of you has to hand them over, you know, to other people, but also let them be independent. And that's, yeah. I think that's really difficult when you've, you know, you've done everything for them for nine months and they've been, you know, everywhere with you to then suddenly have to let go. I do I do think that that is a, you know very difficult for any mother to go through um you mentioned feeding and that um Noah wouldn't take a bottle so how how was your breastfeeding journey and to start with horrendous um, in the hospital I was in so much pain I had bleeding nipples and um, every time they'd come I was kept in for a few days because I lost some blood but every time they came around the door and were like it's feeding time I dreaded it um, yeah. I think it could actually be quite, to be honest, had I not been kept in for those few days and had Raph not been so adamant that he felt I should try and breastfeed if I could, and I could, I had I had the milk, it was just so painful for maybe two mm. weeks, mm. 10 days, two weeks, and then it became really convenient and really easy, but you're then advised in the hospital, oh, now give it six weeks where you're exclusively, like, don't give a bottle, don't don't express and give anything. And actually, by the time I then did express to give her a bottle, um, she she absolutely wouldn't touch it. And then I felt very trapped because... Yeah. Then in a, and then what astounded me was the amount of other people in that situation. I'd always heard these stories about the baby wouldn't take a bottle and you think, oh, what a nightmare. I didn't realise it pretty much happens to everyone if you don't kind of keep doing both at a certain stage. So yeah. again, with this one, I do want to breastfeed again. And I, do you know what? Breastfeeding became an amazing thing for me. Very convenient. I did it until I was five months pregnant with this one. But it wow. began really hurting. Wow. She was kind of done at that point too. So it, it was perfect. She was about 17 months. So it became a really good thing for me. But th that initial bit scared the life out of me. Nobody warned you how painful that is. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I've just realised? You said you did it until you were five months five months pregnant. Yeah. I yeah. stupidly thought that you couldn't really get pregnant when you were breastfeeding. Well, but that is obviously well, a complete myth. No, it, it, it's not totally a myth. For example, for the first six months of of your of your baby being born, because you're breastfeeding all the time, that's all they're eating. Yeah. Um, then you would you, you probably wouldn't be ovulating. But the second you're maybe only feeding twice a day. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. Fertility yeah. Some people's fertility doesn't return until you've totally stopped finishing breastfeeding. But if you're exclusively breastfeeding, you'd struggle to fall pregnant, I would think, in that first six months. But the second she was on solids as well, 
Yeah, um, then it, yeah. Yeah, I did, to be honest, I didn't know if I would fall pregnant because I, I was still breastfeeding, but, but I did. So um, so for me, it was fine. But I do know other people have to stop to get pregnant. I think it just depends on, on you and your hormones. How did you eventually get Noah to take a bottle? What was that What was that process like? Never did. Um, every Never did? A cup, a cup she would drink from, which was amazing. Wow. She loves a cup. And do you know anyone out there who's listening who's struggling with that? From about four months, we could get her to sit from like a doidy cup, one of those tilted ones. Yeah. Um, and do you know, if it meant if I was out for a few hours, at least she could drink something. Yeah. Um, so try a cup because some babies, yeah, the bottle is just a no. It's really strange. She never she never took one. Every now and then she'd take a couple of ounces from one at a, at a push. But I would never say I, – I, I couldn't say she ever had a successful feed from a bottle. Wow. So obviously you're only 10 weeks away or maybe a bit less from yeah. having baby number two. How are you feeling about um, breastfeeding this time round? Um, and obviously because of the experiences with Noah not taking a bottle, would you do anything differently? I feel a little bit more confident about it because I know if it hurts initially again, um, it will pass because it's such a weird feeling initially. Secondly, yeah. absolutely, I'll be expressing with, with bottles. And I'm going to try and do that every day. I know that's against advice um, in terms of if you want your baby to, to, to be attached to you. Who knows? This baby might not want to breastfeed. It's so weird. You just don't know until the baby comes. Yeah. You know, sometimes they, they it just doesn't work. But I'm planning to breastfeed again um, and use bottles too. Yeah, yeah. I, I really this time because what began scaring me was the fact I couldn't go anywhere. And yeah. you do feel if you're locked down for kind of six months where you can't you, you can't go out for more than a couple of hours without yeah, really anxiety of your baby being hungry. I didn't enjoy that feeling at all. No, it's, I think that's really. I think it's one of the toughest things actually about breastfeeding is how much it takes from you. Mm. Um, not, neither Zoe or I did it for like six months, but the time that we did do it for it is definitely very restrictive um which but you know some women absolutely love that their baby only depends on them but you know others feel they need their independence as well and both is absolutely you know like yeah whatever works for you and your family really and you you know with baby number two georgia you'll probably say this it's like sitting around you know when you always say this when you have your first baby people are like oh my gosh you're pregnant you can have a baby and it's like people sending flowers and cards a second time around they're like well just get on with it um because you know (laughs) you've been there and done that and you've got to look after you've still got you've got a toddler who's going to be running around like a lunatic so I guess it's just how you feel exactly but I would say to anyone who is in that breastfeeding struggle it's amazing how I felt so like despairing of of it at times and then it hit a point where it just became like oh this is great like from six seven months onwards when she was also eating a bit it was perfect because if we were out and she was unsettled I could quickly feed her she was also born with something um, that I have never really spoken about called lymphatic malformation um which is a condition it's pretty rare she basically has a swollen cheek but the lymph ducts have formed in the wrong shape and it can happen on the body it can happen internally which is very complex um and it's it's it was a really difficult we we didn't know what was wrong when she was initially born um and they transferred us to great ormond street she's got undergone two procedures so far um but what was great when i was breastfeeding her next one is in september but what was great when I was breastfeeding was that when she would come around from these general anaesthetics, the distress was so hideous and it was so nice to be able to comfort her. 
yeah. by branding yeah. because I, I don't know what else we it'll be interesting to see in September what happens um yeah. she had quite a bad reaction to the general and they're doing something a little bit different this time um so when you say swollen cheek was, was that quite obvious Susie when she was born well to me no she came out and she was put on me and all of that and then Raph held her because they were dealing with, with some blood loss for me and he said what, what what's going on with this extra chubby cheek and they thought it was a cyst um and they got a paediatrician straight into the room she underwent um, they, they, they did some ultrasounds and some scans and we we, we we paid for a private appointment because we were kind of worried about what was going on but Great Ormond Street is the place that treats this condition people come from all over the world to Great Ormond Street we're so lucky that, that, that we've got them here in this country and yeah. yeah. um, treat this condition um which is most commonly on the neck then the face then the body and there can be some more complicated ones too um it's just cosmetic in terms of it's not dangerous it can be dangerous and it can mean chromosome issues which it doesn't for her which is fantastic oh, good. Um, okay, that's good it's an interesting and, and then I was like what did I do what did I do when I was pregnant that that's oh, caused Jesus. this um but it, it, it's nothing. It can happen. They do say it's slightly more likely to happen to older mothers, um, but they can't really say anything that, that, that causes it. Um, they've looked really closely at the second baby in the scans because it's usually picked up in scans and this one wasn't. Uh, so we had no idea. I'm glad right. we had no idea, actually. But yeah. they really checked this baby and it doesn't look like there's, there's anything this time. But you just you just never know. It's always yeah. that thing of you just want your baby to be really healthy and she is, which is the really important yeah. thing. But yeah. definitely the breastfeeding through some of those more difficult times with that condition helped as well. And are there, there any complications with the condition? There can be. Uh, and whether she'll be 100% symmetrical I don't know. Um, you wouldn't really notice it as much now. But it's funny, yeah. when we were in the soft play, maybe they didn't do anything until she was after 12 months because they prefer not to do generals if they can before. Uh, so yeah. before that, we only had her sedated to do certain checks, etc. But um, it's funny, lots of children do come up and go, what's wrong with her face? What's wrong with her face? And um, all I want for her is just that nothing looks wrong because you don't want ever your child sort of be told something looks wrong yeah. and I know what the children are asking so innocently um but it is it, it is an interesting condition because everybody's quite different with it hers has worked really well the two procedures so far and um, so she's got one more and they can't operate early on the face obviously because of um yeah. facial nerves they don't want to do any damage so they do something really clever called sclerotherapy which is about injecting into the area, all over the area, to shrink down what's there. Um, and it's working really well. So hopefully, wow. hopefully, nobody would even be able to tell in the future. Yeah, yeah and, and like you said, as long as there isn't any sort of medical impact kind of going forward, and it's, it's, no. it's just about... And there can know. be for some people. Yeah. Um, and there doesn't appear to be for her. So obviously for that, we're really grateful. Yeah. Yeah. We had Julie Neville on the podcast um, a month or so ago, and she was... Her daughter's got cerebral palsy. Yeah. And she was saying how, you know, incredible her daughter is with our answering the questions. Yeah. But I think that's because... that. In, 
her, you know, her as a mother has always, you know, reaffirmed that this, you know, if anyone asks, these are these are the facts, this, this is what, you know, this is what you have. And there is absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. And you're a fighter and you're amazing. And actually, she's grown up to be a really confident um, yeah. teenager, and she can sort of face any of those questions, and they just don't bother her. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love hearing that. Yeah, that's really how wonderful. I know. And yes, and, and they as parents have obviously done a really, really good job in terms of making her feel comfortable and confident yeah. uh, to, to deal with those sorts of questions. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's the only thing we can kind of do as parents, regardless of, you know, any form of kind of exterior factor that's happened, you know, at birth. The only thing we can do with our children is kind of give them the confidence to be able to handle all of those things. Because, you, you know, kids can be mean and kids can say stuff. And what you want is for your child to be to feel good enough in themselves to be like, no, thank you. I don't want to hear that and walk away with a smile on their face being like, yeah. I'm brilliant and I'm clever and I'm smart and talented and beautiful and everything else. Do you know what I mean? It's like, we need to give them that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think yeah. that's really important. You yeah. know, I think, I think as well, the, the, the less of a big deal it becomes to you, like if you're explaining to people, then then hopefully if there is that situation where something is apparent, or, or just slightly different, but the differences yeah. are great. And like my sister always says to me, you know, with there's a boy in one of her son's class who doesn't have an ear, and she says nobody like at that age, providing nobody's pointed out that that isn't isn't your typical situation. Everybody yeah. just goes, oh, cool, and they and you just move on. Like there's not, it, it, it's really important in life, isn't it? And I hope we are moving into a bit of a kinder time. Yeah, oh, I know, I know. <laughs> It's always very up and down, isn't it? That, that that whole topic, but I do hope we're moving towards a time when when our children are kind of going through school. Obviously, yours are now, but a little bit older. Um, that, that it's a bit kinder than than maybe twenty years ago. I just hope we're generally moving towards a kinder society to, to things that aren't totally normal. You know, t- totally. Oh God, I hope so. Yeah, I do absolutely. Oh. I really hope so because we can't carry on. We can't. There, there has to be a moment where that whole "be kind" thing. You're taught at school that kindness is 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 the best thing that you can be in life. If you're not kind to people, especially children, I realise it's hard. You know, teaching them how to share, and they're like, "My my house." It's like, no, I'm not sharing. <laughs> like, no, be kind. No, I'm not kind. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, really, what you suggest? <laughs> Please be kind. Don't bite. Don't smack. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we, the only thing we can do like I said is just is just instill them in that instill them with that from a really early age we're going to do our best right absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, Susie have you got any um you know are there any nervous feelings around introducing a new sibling into the house I'm, I'm funnily enough not nervous about introducing a new sibling to her I am nervous about how I'm going to juggle everything because I do struggle genuinely with one genuinely and I know people really listen and go oh my goodness like people have got three or four or whatever <laughs> but um I'm she absolutely adores children so I hope Aww. that I'm not you know she's so sociable and she's so chatty with everyone um I'm hoping that that it'll be the best thing that ever happened to her um I don't feel she she's a very independent player she's um she she's super cool so hopefully um it's going to be fine in terms of her emotionally but I'll be very careful I'm not just going to take that for granted because she does get all of our attention at the moment of course 
yeah. yeah. But she doesn't. She doesn't kind of need that much. I give her lots of attention, but she isn't a particularly needy child. Um, yeah. So fingers crossed. Listen, she had it all in the first nine months, Susie, and now she's like, "Get off me, mum! I'm not interested." Yeah. <laughs> give me my space. <laughs> Over, Susie. Susie, listen, we could talk to you all day, but we're really aware that Noah's about to wake up. So we will say goodbye and wish you the best of luck for the uh, for the labour, for the for the bubble. And will you let us, will you come back on after you've had baby number two, please? Yes, please. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is a great idea. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to talk about all of this, yeah. especially with you girls. I really love the podcast. So thank you for having Yay. me. Oh, oh. she's so nice, isn't she? Yeah, she is. It's, do you know what? It's such an interesting chat. And I love speaking to women when they're pregnant. Yeah. Because they've, there's so much to look forward to and there's so much to sort of, that they're going through. Mm. And you know that in a, you know, a matter of weeks when we speak to them, their life is going to change so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also having to go through it, you know, with the pandemic having yeah. to actually cope with that and the fact that she didn't announce her pregnancy until she was 30 weeks because she didn't want to be like hey guys look at me it's like that's so sad actually that is I know it's amazing, probably, amazing we all thing. wanted some good news really yeah. didn't we? Yeah. I love seeing pregnancy announcements at the moment I'm like yeah. yes so nice news <laughs> oh yeah I think she's so down to earth and I love how she um has started really reflecting on the first kind of seven to nine months of Noah's life and how there was a zero routine how she kind of rushed to her the whole time every every sort of whimper and every cry she was in the room with her and actually maybe she'll do things differently this time yeah yeah no it is interesting and also just I think so many so many of us do that actually we find mm. it really difficult to detach yeah. from our baby and sort of let them and I think that ha- doesn't just happen when they're a newborn I think it happens throughout their whole lives it's really difficult as a mother and, and yeah. a father to sort of let go it is it's really it's actually really sad that really what we're doing is bringing them up to be independent and just you know proper grown-ups I can't even think about it and I, I have like real as you know like real problems kind of disciplining Luna and this is this is all kind of similar to the fact that like I obviously want to teach her the boundaries but when I'm telling her off and she's devastated and she's crying and she's like mommy I love you and I'm like I love you so much and then it's like oh she's just being a bit manipulative actually I can discipline her I have to be able to like we've had another me and Dawson had another row about it this morning because he was like we have to be able to say no to her if she's whinging and moaning all the time yeah, yeah we have to be able to go stop whinging so I'm absolutely useless when it comes to discipline and Axel. If he's cry, if he cries, I just cuddle him and kiss his cheeks. And I mean, really, it's not solving anything. It's not solving anything. But does Axel wake up in the morning? And is 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 he in a good mood when he wakes up? Uh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. When he wakes up in the morning, yeah, he's in a good mood. Like, does he whinge? Does he moan? Does he cry? He, do you know what? He only whinges and moans when he's tired. So he's been at, with my parents this weekend. So he came back like hysterical, tired, which is why he's napping now. Because right. otherwise, James would get home from training and all hell would break loose because he'd be whinging and moaning and whatever. So I'm kind of on damage control here. I'll tell you what we should do for Friday's episode. Yeah. We'll talk about discipline and whinging and moaning with toddlers. Um, yes. Let's, let's yeah, do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's everyone, please. Please send in your questions. We will pop we'll pop a question tab up later yeah. on in the week and please do send those questions in because I think it's something that everybody goes through. Yes, let's do it. 
Brilliant. Oh, okay. Well, listen, have an amazing week. I've got to run because I'm on drive time, so I need to go and pretend to be JK and Kelly Brook right now. Wish me luck. <laughs> have fun. See you later. Oh, God. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.